Now, some very, very sketchy details reaching us here at Sky Centre. Important enough to bring to you, though, at this early stage, we believe that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Centre in New York. That happened within the last few moments. No details at this stage as to what sort of plane it is. It could well be a large plane. We are hearing reports of a 737 not yet confirmed um, yet, although it is a jet. Um, more as we have it. Let's have a look what CBS News is saying, our colleagues over in America. Southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. We don't know if it was a private aircraft. We have no idea how many were on board or what is what the extent of the injuries are right now. According to researchers and policy groups interviewed by Gallup News, Islamophobia is an exaggerated fear, hatred and hostility toward Islam and Muslims that is perpetuated by negative stereotypes resulting in bias, discrimination and the marginalization and inclusion of Muslims from social, political and civic life. This fear was extremely heightened after the incidents of 9-11 and the varying views on Islam and Muslims in America became deeply influenced by the media and the war on terrorism. This startling trend, which includes the destruction of mosques, assaults, shootings, violent threats, and hateful rhetoric, has grown exponentially due to our current political discourse. However, it is imperative that we take a step back and look at the varying perspectives to better understand how this growing fear of Islamophobia has influenced the life of both Muslims and non-Muslims alike. I'm a retired federal employee living in Northern Virginia. Hi, my name is Delaney. I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and was in the city on the day of the 9-11 attacks. Hi, my name is Minna. I'm Muslim, and I'm a second-generation Egyptian-American. Hi, my name is Bashar, and I'm a second-generation Muslim-American. Uh, so now I'm going to ask Alan a few questions about the incidents of 9-11 and his perspective. How old were you when the attack took place, um, and, and where were you when the attack happened? Do you remember anything particular about the day? I was 56 years old in 2001. I was walking from the metro station to my office in Washington, D.C. I overheard people on the sidewalk talking excitedly. When I reached my office, I turned on the radio to hear the latest news. I listened as they told about an aircraft attack on the World Trade Center in New York City. I listened carefully about another attack that had just occurred at the Pentagon, less than two miles away. All details of this were, in, in the immediate future, were confused and uncertain. My boss came into my office and told me about the attacks and told me all employees were free to leave and make their way home. This was at 9.45 a.m. I left the office and stopped at a hot dog stand and bought a bottle of water. It was unclear whether the metro would still be running, so I wanted to be prepared for whatever delays might be ahead. I proceeded to, to the metro and boarded a yellow line car. We passed through the Pentagon and Reagan Airport stations without stopping. These stations had been closed as a precaution against further potential attacks. These stations remained closed for several months. Later at home, I was glued to my TV, watching smoke pour out of the Twin Towers and interviews with first responders 
After the towers collapsed, the networks ran smoking tower pictures for hours. Did the attack affect you directly, and did you know anyone who was a victim of the attack? Apart from some minor commuting disruptions, the attack did not affect me directly. The New York office of my government agency, located adjacent to the Twin Towers, was evacuated for fear it would also collapse. A good friend of mine was working as a security guard at the Pentagon. He and his canine companion were personally responsible for evacuating over 20 persons from the dark, smoke-filled corridors of the Pentagon near the site of the airplane crash. Apart from some minor commuting disruptions, the attack did not affect me directly. The New York office of my government agency, located adjacent to the Twin Towers, was evacuated for fear it would also collapse. A good friend of mine was working as a security guard at the Pentagon. He and his canine companion were personally responsible for evacuating over 20 persons from the dark, smoke-filled corridors of the Pentagon near the site of the airplane crash. Um, what was your perception of uh, Islam before 9-11, and after the attacks, did this change at all? We were told this was al-Qaeda, and it involved 19 or so young Saudis of the Wahhabi sect. We learned about jihad and how it was used or perverted to justify terrorist attacks. We heard that this was Islamic extremism, not normal, not representative of mainstream Islam. But how common is this extremism? And how do you know when you have contact with Muslims? And do we want more Muslims in our country? I was in my kindergarten class in Washington, D.C. when the planes hit the Twin Towers. My dad dropped my brother and I off at school like any other day. As we were in our homeroom classes, there was some commotion in the hallways. Our teachers began to gather, and it was obvious something was wrong. Eventually, they came back into the classrooms and turned on the TVs. The images and videos of the planes hitting the towers have been seared into my memory ever since. Initially, no one could make sense of what had happened. Our teachers were crying, and as panic set in, I remember my friends and classmates began to cry also. Unfortunately, something we didn't know at the time was that my homeroom teacher's son had been in the first plane that had crashed in New York. My brother was across the hall from me, and once I found him, we stayed together for the rest of the day. Everyone began to call their families at once. With so many people on phones, calls were unable to go through, and because cell phones were not what they are today, it was impossible to get in touch with any anyone. <laughs> with anyone. Then, then a plane hit the Pentagon. At the time, my mom was a lawyer working from an office in downtown D.C. across from the White House. I remember feeling terrified and just wanting to be with my parents, but having no way to get in contact with them. At this point, everyone in the school was told we had to leave the building and return to our homes. It was absolute chaos, with so many children unable to reach family members. Thankfully, my house was in the neighborhood, and our babysitter had come to the school to walk us home and make sure we were okay. Waiting for my parents to come home felt like an eternity. I only remember snapshots of that day, but what I do remember has stayed with me ever since. Right now, I'm going to interview my mom, who was a lawyer in Washington, D.C. at the time of 9-11, and just ask her some questions about her perspective of that day. When 9-11 happened, I was practicing lawyer in Washington, D.C. I was... Uh, specializing in the area of employment law. 
Uh, my office was directly across the street from the White House. And on the day um, that the planes flew into the towers and Pentagon and went down in the field in Pennsylvania, I was actually not in my office, but I was at another law firm's office in the city. And I was in a uh, conference room doing some training with lawyers on the ins and outs of sexual harassment law. We were separated from the rest of the law firm, uh, which was going about its daily business. And uh, there was a knock on the door around 10 o'clock that morning. And the human resources director was uh, looked ashen um, and petrified. And she stuck her head in the room and she said, I completely forgot about you. Uh, there's been an attack on the United States. Uh, we don't know exactly who is responsible for it yet, but uh, I left you in here uh, not remembering that you were um, doing this training and uh, the rest of the city is evacuating. Uh, so everybody immediately got up from their chairs and ran into uh, the adjacent room, which actually had a television turned on the news, and were, we were bombarded with images of the airplanes flying into the Twin Towers in New York City. Um, I stayed for a little bit to see what was on the news that day, um, probably maybe for another 45 minutes, I guess. And then I picked up my stuff and went out onto the street and started to walk back to my office. And it was eerie at that time because the streets were empty, and because we had been sort of delayed in getting the news, um, I was sort of one of the only people walking down uh, K Street at the time. And uh, there were airplanes or helicopter sounds in, in the distance, uh, and it felt just completely surreal to be uh, in a beautiful Tuesday morning, the sky was blue, and there was nobody else around, went back to my office and um, was not allowed to go upstairs. Uh, the building had been cordoned off because of its proximity to the White House. Um, I started to walk towards the parking garage to get my car and I could see a flood of people running out of the White House. And uh, I only learned afterwards that that was because uh, the third plane had not been detected or it's wasn't no one was sure where it was going and uh but they knew that it had been hijacked at that point and there was a lot of speculation that it was going to either go towards the white house or the capitol um so to make a long story short about that morning i it took me about four hours to get my car out of the garage and get home at the time i had two young children in kindergarten um and my brother was a practicing lawyer in Manhattan. Um, I tried to call him to make sure he was okay. And I tried to call home to my babysitter to make sure that she and the children were okay. But the phone lines were all disrupted and you could not get um, through to anyone. Um, so I sat in my car in the garage um, waiting to get out. And I was listening to the news stories, trying to get... Um, uh, well, on the radio, I was listening to the news stories on the radio and I was trying to get a hold of people I cared about and could not. And it was a really um, incredibly nerve-wracking uh, experience. Um, 
and when I did finally get home and finally get the kids um, back in the house, um, it was just a, a devastating um, experience. I, I was um, never had been through anything like that before. I wasn't particularly tuned in to um, the events that had happened back in 1993, I think, when the World Trade Center had had another bomb placed in it um, and that it, it had been uh, t found out that it was a terrorist attack. Um, I was just busy going about my regular daily life um, up until the point where 9-11 happened. And obviously after that, it was um, intense and the thing that anyone, no one could focus on anything else. Um, and then uh, my office building stayed closed for the next week, uh, roughly. And so I had to work from home. And once I finally was permitted, or we were finally permitted to go back into the office, uh, it was creepy is the best word I can think of. Uh, the city was under martial law at that point. There were tanks on the streets. Uh, my building was being guarded by uh, armed guards, and uh, you needed uh, like three forms of identification to just get up to your office. And looking around the streets, watching the tanks go up and down, um, it just felt like we had entered a new world, and I think that's pretty much a, a good way of explaining it. I also spoke to my mom about her thoughts on today's political climate, and if anything, what about it? Um, makes talking about Islamophobia important. And I also spoke to her about how Islamophobia can potentially negatively impact society in general, not only for Muslims. I think that um, I can address this primarily as a lawyer who handled a lot of um, discrimination cases and also as the person who uh, ultimately transitioned into doing a lot of training for businesses, companies, um, about how discrimination affects uh, the bottom line for companies and sort of how it affects uh, morale uh, and particularly uh, how it affects teams and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I would say that uh, Islamophobia is nothing new, that's for sure, and 9-11 certainly brought it um, more to the fore. Uh, but the bottom line is that it's always been a historical uh, fact that uh, people coming to this country are often otherized. They're made to feel uh, scapegoated for the various problems that our country is having. And with the election of Donald Trump, we knew we were going to get uh, a we were entering in a, into a situation where he had already said in his campaign that he wanted to uh, bar Muslims from entering the country, and he tried to uh, get legislation passed to uh, to make that happen. And just from a purely sort of sociological standpoint, I think that it is a it does damage to our country because when we scapegoat one group of people in order to justify um, certain laws or certain procedures, we, um, we demonize them and we make people in this country who uh, 
who may have problems that are not, the, the root doesn't lie with Muslims or Irish or African Americans. Um, we tend to not look inwards to fix our problems, but to just kind of blanket blame other people. And that's destructive to our country because we don't advance things. We don't make our culture or country better. We separate people and we make them uh, enemies of one another. And ultimately, that is to the detriment of our country uh, in going forward. And that's pretty much um, my perspective on that issue. In an article by the New York Times titled Hate Crimes Against American Muslims, Most Since Post 9-11 Era, researchers at California State University San Bernardino found that hate crimes against American Muslims were up 78% over the course of 2015. Scholars have shown that the frequency of anti-Muslim violence has increased immediately after Mr. Trump's most incendiary comments. A videotape was released of a woman pouring liquid on a Muslim woman after declaring she was going to vote for Mr. Trump so that he could send you all back where you came from. A number of experts in hate crimes have expressed concern that Mr. Trump's vitriol may have legitimized threatening or violent conduct, with former FBI crime analyst James Nolan saying he does not have the slightest doubt that Trump's campaign rhetoric has played a big part in rising attacks. In an article titled Hope and Despair, Being Muslim in America After 9-11, I read that anti-Muslim hate crimes are approximately five times more frequent than they were before 2001, and more reports of mosque vandalism and attacks against those believed to be Muslim had surfaced, and that Muslims are constantly and consistently cast as somehow un-American because of their faith. In another article I read titled This is Life for Muslim Americans, 18 Years After 9-11, I read that anti-Muslim rhetoric has been given an enormous boost of pseudo-credibility and prominence by President Donald Trump. There is a spike in hate crimes directed against the Muslim community since Trump first called for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the U.S. Ibtihaj Muhammad, who made history in 2016 for becoming the first American Olympic athlete both to wear a hijab and win a medal while doing so, wrote a book about wearing the hijab and confronting the challenges she faced. She added, I believe it is a lot harder in this moment to be Muslim than it was right after 9-11. And I personally agree with her in some ways that heightened fear and hatred towards Muslims has grown stronger than ever with Trump in office. Being visibly Muslim is now a target on your back. So I'm now going to interview my mom and dad, who are both Muslims living in America at the time. How old were you both when the attacks happened? 25 years old. 32. Where were you at the time? I was home watching news. I was at work uh, treating a patient. And then I see that, I seen that on the TV. I felt so scared and confused and I felt so bad for those people who lost their life. And um, I thought about their families and how they're going to take this news. And um, I couldn't feel safe around this time for myself and my family, my friends. It was so scary. I feel like the whole country on war. Uh, 
seeing people dying right and left, not knowing what's happening and how bad is it, it is, especially we are here in Virginia. And um, we don't know what's coming next and how many people died and what to expect. What were your fears of the aftermath of the attacks? I uh, start to think about what's going to happen. I mean, I was so worried about my family, my work, my, uh, uh, you know, everything. I mean, it's just a difficult time. Especially something, we never thought about it. We never thought that even in the U.S. that you will be so scared from everybody. You don't know who is driving next to you. You don't know what's going to happen the second day or... You don't know if there is another attack that's going to happen. You don't know is that a war against, is that a war with the all Muslim communities? Is that something, it's just certain people doing bad stuff or is that a war already? I wouldn't know. I was so worried and I stayed home for maybe four to six weeks. I didn't go out, especially after I know like some of my friends got attacked outside when they went outside. So it wasn't fun. It wasn't kind of weird feeling. I will now interview my sisters on their experience being visibly Muslim and wearing the hijab. What are some instances where you've been discriminated against? Well, when I was a hijabi, I was discriminated against a lot. People were ruder to me in like checkout lines and customer service. They always assumed I wasn't from here, that I couldn't speak English, and always looked less, looked at me like I was less. Has anyone ever attacked you? There was one instance where I was driving, and this guy in a truck tried to kind of lean in with his truck on my car and kind of made me veer off the road and then rolled down his window and flicked me off. Has anyone harassed you? I mean, when I was younger, kids used to pull my hijab off my head. That's about it. When did you decide to take your hijab off? I decided mentally a little over two years ago, but didn't actually have the guts to even really consider it until about a year ago. Why did you decide to take it off? I think that hijab was mandated on us to keep us safe. And I felt like in the current political climate, it was doing the opposite and bringing me negative attention and putting me in harm's way. So... I'm going to be interviewing my mom, uh, asking her a few questions about her recollections of 9-11 and uh, her experiences after the incident. So can you start by uh, explaining your recollections of the incident and what had happened? Yes, um, I remember that day I had uh, my friends, they came over for breakfast. Then suddenly we heard something in the uh, TV like alarm and something like that. We didn't understand what happened. Then after that, like like a moment, two minutes after that, we saw like uh, fires, building collapsing, people running. And then uh, we heard uh, like a news that something happened. There's an attack for in, uh, in Manhattan. 
and uh, we saw from my kids room i can i could see the flames the smoke from far away we used to live in bronx and bronx is not that far from uh, manhattan uh, I, my English was very bad. I couldn't understand the news perfectly. But my friend, she used to live in New York for a couple of years. She understand that there's an attack. I can understand attack, but we couldn't understand who did it because they didn't have the exact group, the name of the exact group. But after like, I think a couple of like one hour or two, they said that a Palestinian group attacked Manhattan. So I was scared because I am a Palestinian woman. So I didn't know what to do. I had to go outside to pick up my daughter from school around three o'clock. So I feared like uh, I'm scared to go outside, but I did it. Uh, uh, during that day, I felt very like anxious walking the streets. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have uh, a car during that time. I had to walk to school or to the stores. So my neighbors, actually, they were very nice, uh, especially the landlord of our home. He was an Italian guy and he came directly to me and told me if I need any help and if he wants me to go any place to pick up anything for me. And he, he actually supported us. Um, this is the moment I can remember because, you know, because it's like, uh, it, it wasn't easy actually. And after that, we start hearing about stories about women who, uh, who covered their, uh, they had. Did you feel any sense of fear or nervousness after the incidents of 9-11? Yes, after one week, my husband convinced me that you have to go out, you can't stay forever in home. So I decided to go to do some shopping. <laughs> then I can't, I couldn't remember, I went to, uh, marshals or something like Marshall. Then, you know, Marshalls, there's a piles when you have to dig in to find something. So while I am digging, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't recognize there's a kid before in front of me, beside me. Then uh, suddenly I heard a screaming and that kid, the, the kid who were beside me, he was beside me, go, uh, ran away and he started like pointing toward me. I couldn't understand what happened. And all the people, when I look around me, all the people were looking at, toward me. I saw, I started saying, uh, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to him. I couldn't tell now know why he was screaming. And he wasn't like baby, he was in school age. So he is not like afraid of people. And then I j just recognized maybe because he heard something from his family or something and he saw that I am wearing a hijab. That was an accident, I still remember it because till now I couldn't understand what happened. And also I heard the story uh, that from the mosque in our neighborhood that uh, I think a, a lady who were uh, uh, wearing hijab, a complete hijab, I, like I think she was covering with uh, burqa. And uh, she, uh, there's a guys who were sitting uh, outside the mosque, uh, throwing an empty uh, bottles, uh, cans of soda toward her. And uh, I heard about an accident. This was very close. I'm sure about it because it was in my uh, in that our neighborhood. And but we heard from people that there's a guy who was, and I think. Uh, Indian uh, who got killed because he was uh, wearing the turban and they thought that he is with the, he has a, he had a beer so they thought he was uh, Muslim they killed him and uh, we heard many stories but I'm not sure, sure they were right, like 
true stories or that just people making these stories because of the accident? Uh, piggybacking off what my mom just said, you know, understanding the constant harassment that was experienced by Muslim Americans after 9-11 is important. I mean, the Federal Bureau of Investigation reported a 1,700% increase in hate crimes against Muslim Americans after the instance of 9-11. And it was also found that Muslim Americans experienced an increased amount of negative stereotyping after 9-11. So it most likely made it really hard for Muslim immigrants to settle down in the United States. I mean, in a study even conducted in 2012 by California State University, they used, had 208 subjects, and results showed that there were st- still people who were afraid or, or had negative attitudes towards Muslims, especially in situations where, like, if you're standing on a very crowded bus, or are you boarding a plane for a vacation in Florida, and two young men are boarding immediately behind you. So it's important to know that even though years after, there's still heightened fear in the United States among young people within a more liberal setting. after 9-11, we have seen anti-Muslim sentiment manifest itself in many different ways, from threatening rhetoric, violence, attacks on mosques, even murder. Muslims in America have and continue to fear for their safety in a country where equality, progress, opportunity, and liberty are among its core values. 9-11 has shaped the lives and views of many non-Muslim Americans, making it easy to overlook the impact it has had on Muslims living in the country. While this current political climate is only temporary, It will leave lasting wounds on those of whom have been affected. It is our hope this podcast affirms that hatred and discrimination did not only occur in stories we see on the news, but also to the people sitting right next to us. Thank you, and have a good one.